Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is a near and dear friend for over 20 years, Mr. Bart Rosenstein. He has embarked on a new journey, and we wanted to get together and share his life in the industry as an expert colorist and all of the many hats that he has worn and the many different ways that he has been able to share his love of color in our industry. So welcome, Bart. Hello. Thanks for being here today. Good morning, Elaine. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure for sure. You're a busy man. So you have a lot of lot of new balls in the air. That's very exciting. I love yeah. the name. Um, Bart just went on his own in a solo suite for the first time. And the name is My Color Pod, which I love. Uh, I have always looked up to Bart as an expert colorist. When I was coming up in the industry, one of my best friends would not let me touch her hair. She would say, only Bart can do my color. And that was very impressive because she, she's pretty picky and she can go to anybody and she always went to Bart. So um, Bart knows his way around hair color and um, all the different facets that are involved with our color world. And I know you have had quite a career from your beginning to now. You've, you've been in many different situations. So let's, let's walk through your journey and uh, how you got to where you are now. So good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to be here. Um, I, it's interesting. Um, I've worked in too many salons in my 36 going on 37 years. It's, we call it the walk of shame almost. It's, <laughs> it's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty funny when you write it down. It's funny. This morning I was just thinking about that. Like, okay, um, how many salons have you worked at? And I'm like, you know what? You really don't need to discuss that with anyone. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm like, um, I, because we're on a recording, I'll just call myself the original salon prostitute instead of the other word. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, love it. I love it. But uh, you know, it's just finding your way. The reason why is because I was misguided in the very early on in my career. I was thrown behind the chair, and I didn't assist. So um, I worked in Center City, Philadelphia, when I very first started, and they kind of just threw me behind the chair, and I really didn't assist. So you know, that was the wrong way to be brought into it. And, and because of that, every time I took a job, I, I learned more in another salon from more people and kept growing a book and then learning more. And so I, after I got sucked all the knowledge I could from every single person I got, then I just wanted to in my mind, it was like, okay, now I need to go to the next level salon. And, and, and that's why I just kept moving until I finally got to a place where it was like this magnificent, you know, $1.5 million salon in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania, that was just top dollar. And I was there for many years and I just had this humongous book and was making more money than unbelievable. And, well, before I was making the money, what happened was is that one of the colorists left and they had a big spot and I went right to New York to Clairol and I took um, an advanced one week course with um, 
one of my mentors and I, I came back and I just kind of exploded and, and I just became one of the color, color people. And, um, then from there, I was there for a really long time. And then I wound up at, uh, to be honest, I never hide this. I wound up at Betty Ford <laughs> from that well, I was, experience. I was going to say that that amazing salon that um, <laughs> you were talking about was really amazing, but it was very, I mean, it's the a stress. Shame. Well, it's a shame that reality TV was not a thing then because that oh, salon would have made yeah. the best reality TV Absolutely, ever. Absolutely, yeah. So many and it really, awesome it really wasn't the Betty Ford, but I just call it Betty Ford because it's just, it just goes with the whole thing. Yeah. So then I got my act together, and uh, I was very grateful to God for that. And I opened up my own salon, and um, you know, um, we worked in a couple places after I sold my salon right before the economy kind of bottomed out in two thousand eight. And um, how long did you have the salon for? Um, so we had the salon for first. I opened it myself with four chairs, and a year later I expanded, and we were eleven chairs, and um, we had it for three years and we sold it. And then I under contract to stay with the new owners for X amount of years. And, um, because part of the sale, um, again, prostitute, because I, I was going to say that never goes well, does it? How, it's how do you, hard to, yeah. But you know, you had to guarantee something. So, right. um, and they're great people. They're still, you know, it's, it's 12 years later and they're still kicking and they're doing well with that place. It was a great location. Um, so, um, and then I was, you know, here, there, a couple places. And then what recently happened was very strange. But um, my, I, the, the last salon I was working at, my employers, um, their landlord, their lease was up and their landlord, like, jacked their rent up, like, obnoxious. And they, they were, like, could not find a new location in enough time. So they went around the corner to a former boss of theirs that they had worked for for 15 years before they opened the salon that they were currently, that we were working out of. And they said, hey, can we, you know, can we hang out here for a little while till we find a home? And, you know, the former owner said, yeah, no problem. So, you know, we were kind of working out of their salon. So now she is a big salon, you know, we're like four or five operators, working in that salon and after we could get back to work legally in pennsylvania we would have to go back to work and split the salon with them so one day it would be our salon and the next day of the week it would be their salon and which bottom line i would be working in a two-week pay cycle six days and it would be 10 to 12 hour days and mm. at 57 years old, i was old, gonna say not at this age <laughs> yeah at 57 years old i'm like no and then, by the way, those days will be alternated depending on which day of the month they fall, which means my standing color appointments that are used to coming every three weeks on a Friday would be like all over the map. And I'm like, mm. sorry, guys, Not I'm out. Work. Yeah. I can't do it. So that's what made me decide to go and do the suite. That was one reason. But here's the most important reason. In every economic downturn, an entrepreneur history will show that an entrepreneur will always be successful when you take a risk in an economic downturn. That is when things are always started and boom from that. It's just look at how history works. Whenever things go down. Don't get in your, don't hide in your shell. Come out and take right. a risk. because take, Come out and take a risk because things always go back up. So 
knowing that and knowing how history works and knowing what happened from 2008 and how things turned around, I just said, you know, I, I really have nothing to lose here and I got to do this. And I never looked back, you know, it was, it, I, I just, I called the attorney. I, for me personally, I didn't want to do a 1099. I, I called an attorney. I did an LLC. Um, and I just got online and I have, I ordered everything. Boom, 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 boom. Packages were coming. My dining room turned into a warehouse. <laughs> it was hysterical. I still am waiting for my color processing machine. It's the last thing today. My, my, uh, my uh, robes are coming. They're the last two things I'm waiting for. I've been open three weeks. This is my third week. That's awesome. And um, my clients love the privacy, Elaine. They absolutely love the privacy. But I think what I'm offering is I'm not curing anything here. I am not creating a miracle here. But people feel safe. People did not want to come back to the salon. They said it. They told it to me. I did porch and in the latter part of the shutdown, I did patio and porch hair where I would go to people and deck. I would go to their house, and these were the rules. You wash your hair, I come to your house. I only work outside, and I will cut it first, and then I will put your color on. Then you will go in the house and shampoo it. If it has to be highlighted after that, then I'll highlight it. You go in the house and shampoo it. I do not come in your house. That's mm -hmm. it. That's and fine. I did that to help people through. And with the money I made from doing that, um, I figured, okay, well, if I need to go in this direction, because it was in the back of my mind, you know, um, I will have some startup cash to get my act together here with this. And people were saying, you know, once I told them, well, do you have a date? Do you have a date? Do you have a date? And then when I told them that when the salon date was, they're like, you know, I'm really not comfortable coming back in there yet. I just don't feel comfortable. I don't feel, I'm so tired of hearing, I don't feel comfortable and I don't blame them. Like my husband and I don't go anywhere. I don't feel comfortable going anywhere. Like right. going to the supermarket is like the only thing I do. I, I, I don't feel comfortable. I can't blame a client that doesn't feel comfortable. So they feel comfortable. You know, I, um, I have a comp person with a compromised immune system that I still go to her house. And other than that, everybody has come in. Not everybody, it's still three weeks, but everybody has booked and they are impressed. They come in and they're like, this is great. I feel so great here. This is comfortable, da, da, da. What are you, you using know? for your um, booking system? Do you have? Oh, now that's a whole conversation. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, <clears throat> now there's so many choices when, when I opened my oh, salon, my. there was like three software companies. Now God. Like okay, so, so this was a nightmare. Okay. I was a fool. I have been using Salon Runner, Rosie Salon Software for, I have to tell you, like eight years in a couple salons, right? And I know it like the back of my hand, all right? It, it, it's, it's like I know, it's like I know hair color. I know Rosie. It, it's easy. I never thought to look to see if they had pricing for independent stylists. For, for some reason in my mind, you know, I, I was stubborn. Was bigger, I assumed yeah. it was for bigger salons. So Sola offered Gloss Genius, and I started working with that. But then I realized that when you go to check out a client, you have to scan their credit card with your phone. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to fly. My clients are 40 plus. 
no, that's not going to work. 40 and under, they don't care. 40 plus, not going to work. Okay. So then I said, okay, I'll do squared. That should be easy. Well, squared, the checkout process was easy almost until I ran into a glitch. But the software for squared is okay, but it's not catered to our industry at all. And I was having appointments run over my block time off by people booking online. And I'm like, I just had no control over it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work either. So then I, I checked out Rosie. So please understand I had to convert eight weeks worth of booking in the first week I was open and put up three different links on my Facebook. I look like such a moron. <laughs> I'm using Rosie again. Yeah. You know, you know what I love about this conversation is the entire theme of the conversation is returning back to where you start it. You know, it's like, who's what's that song? Who says you can't go home? Like, uh -huh. you know, you started out and you said, I feel like I missed that assistant phase. You and I have parallel careers. I was the same way. I'm like, I'm not shampooing somebody's hair. I got this. I'm, I want to get right behind a chair tried to skip the assistant phase and then had to backtrack and do it anyway, because to mm -hmm. your point, you're not prepared to be behind the chair. But I started out in a one chair, one small 500 square foot salon. When you were saying the money you made doing poor chair was what you used to pay for your suite. I was bartending, stuffing my bartending cash in a jar. That was my furniture money. Right. And how ironic that, you know, you go full circle, you, you, you opened your salon, you started with four chairs. Oh, this is great. Let me do 11. You do 11. You're like, Oh shit, this is awful. And then you go to work for somebody else. Cause you're like, I don't want those headaches, but you're an entrepreneur. Like this whole entire time you've been an entrepreneur and that's where all the moves had to happen. Because once you are your own business and you're your own boss, it's, almost impossible to not be right. You always have that to, little uh, entrepreneur trying to break through. So, you know, and your software, you started with Rosie and you were comfortable and then you ventured out and tried a bunch of things and now you're back to Rosie. So it's just, you know, I love that because a lot of people will say, well, I can't go back. I can't turn backwards. I can't have a one person salon when I had 11. Why not? It's all ego, right? It's what makes you tick. What makes you happy? you're happy being Bart, the amazing colorist and having that connection with that guest, whether it's on her patio or in your suite, it doesn't matter. It's the connection that you have with her that she feels safe with you and she knows she's going to get great hair regardless of where it is. I think the new generation sometimes gets so caught up in what the fancy chandelier looks like and what the Facebook Instagram version of what they're doing looks like. And then the hair is all smoke and mirrors and filters and looks and feels like crap. You know, it's like, what, what is the most important thing? Is it what the public sees or is it what really is? It's the relationship is the most yeah. important thing. It's the relationship. 100%. We were, we, we were taught that, you know, 80% of what we do is our people skills and you know, that, that is everything and how we handle it. And it's a relationship. And then, and you just said it, it, you know, we didn't have the Instagram, we didn't have the Facebook, we didn't have, we have, we use, our generation uses Facebook for the relationship. We don't necessarily use Facebook, say, oh, look, at, you don't see me putting up pictures of my work a lot. Never, you don't. Never. You see me like 
I'm more about relationship of the person. People want to relate to the person and the quality of the person and let my heads walk around talking about, let my heads on the street, because that's what I was taught. Your work should talk for itself on the street and make sure that, this is a little sidebar to a conversation, but make sure that I'm educating my clients on using the right products, the right maintenance, the right whatever they have to do so that when they're even if they run out of the house last minute, that their hair looks decent enough that somebody says, your color is gorgeous or you have beautiful hair and it leads to that conversation back to me. That's the most important thing before anything because that that word of mouth, nothing's better than the visual advertisement and that's to me the most important thing. Have you ever gotten a client from Instagram? I haven't. Uh, No, no. Because you know why? Because we're not 20 years old. And you know what? I I can't with that. I my Instagram group is I my Instagram Elaine is a group for us for stylists to showcase each other's work for each other. That's where I put my energy into Instagram. My Facebook is I I put started a Facebook for my color pod. I had a bar colorist. Now I'm not going to use that at all because it's just phasing that out to use it for you know for the salon. And my personal Facebook, I who has time? I don't have time right now. I I don't. I need to post a little more. Um, you know of funny things or cute things or whatever, but I'll get there. It's, you know, I have two days off now. It's a little change because of the schedule. Well, I wanted to get, uh, get back to that, the schedule thing. So how I solve the schedule issue. So being back in the suite, um, I am being in a suite versus the salon, how I solved the problem was I have the, so now I work five days a week where I used to work four days a week, right? The difference is, is that I'm seeing three to four clients a day for all their services and I'm in and I'm out and I'm not stressed with, because first of all, they have to wait in their car. They have to text me when they get there and then I meet them at the door to let them in the building. Okay. There's no waiting in a lobby, waiting up front at the salon, waiting in my suite because they can't be in my suite. Right. So there's none of that pressure of somebody staring at you while you're finishing ahead. There's no pressure of somebody looking at their watch of like none of that pressure has gone out of your day. Think and, about back in the day though, when we talked about the large salon that you were in, how many people did you see in a day? Uh, uh, forget like it. Like in your prime in the 80s. And you had, and I had an cranking out. And I had an assistant. Oh my God, please. Like what's the most you've done in one day? Probably like 40 people in a day. I don't know. That's it was insane. I don't know because I had an assistant. I was running two books. It was a crazy. And you don't remember very but, much. <laughs> but, but Right, exactly. But here's the thing, Elaine. Touch-ups were booked every 15 minutes. Yeah, which right? I, and, I'll never wrap my brain around that. It takes me 15 minutes to say, hi, how are you? Give him a hug and offer him a cappuccino. It, they were booked every 15 minutes. And then what happened was you booked the touch up for 15 minutes. You'd say, or, you know, you, you'd say to them like, you know, how are you doing? And you talk, have a quick consultation and then boom, the assistant goes and makes the color. You come back, the assistant puts the color on. It's like, you're not doing anything, but just checking to make sure it's the right color. Now, if they were getting a highlight with a touch up in between, you're doing the highlights, then boom, the assistant comes over and puts the color in between. So you, how much time did you need? You only needed 20, 15, 20 minutes to put a half head of highlights on or a full head a half hour. You do the highlights, boom, they put the touch up on in between. So you're banging them out. like it, And that kind of pace, forget it. I 
no, I'm sorry. I don't want it. And I don't think it has anything to do with, with your age and how long you've been doing it. I think if we could all turn back time and give ourselves the grace of how much time we really need to do awesome, stellar color results, like there's no way when you think back that those 40 people looked like how your guests are going to look like when they leave your color pod right now. Like, no, there's no, no, way. no, I, I really don't. I, I think that it was a, a cookie cutter, generic look that everybody liked that look. So I like X, I like, you know, Betty, I like Betty Cohen's hair. So everybody wanted the Betty Cohen. And, and so I had 30, <laughs> I had 35 women get Betty Cohen and I had, and I had 67 women getting, you know, Elaine, uh, Elaine, Elaine Smith. And, you know, everybody had the same, same cut. You know, it was cookie cutter because that's basically what was going on back then. It had to be. I, I don't know how I got through it. I don't. Well, I do, but whatever. Well, something that I love that you did and talking about pivoting and, and just reacting to what is, I loved that, back to your Betty Ford conversation, that during COVID, you took it upon yourself to hold virtual meetings to keep people on track. I thought yes. that was so amazing because that's the first thing that you think of. If you have an issue with prior addiction and that's your crutch, like for me, I can't stop eating ice cream during COVID. I'm like gaining weight like crazy because I'm like, I need ice cream every night. It's my comfort. So I can imagine with an addiction, that's the first place you turn when you're in a, a state of like the unknown and you're not working and you have a lot of time on your hands. So kudos to you for doing that. I hope Thank that you. a yeah. lot of people took advantage of yeah, that. Yeah, we, we actually wound up uh, through it. Uh, my friend Angela in Minneapolis, um, she wanted to, to, to do this meeting thing. And um, so she put it in her Midwest uh, group and I put it in my group and uh, my Facebook group. And um, then I went around to other people and asked if I could put it in their groups. And we wound up meeting people and we actually, not a lot of people came into it, but the people that came into it, we all still have relationships now and we've made some great friends. I actually made a terrific, wonderful new bestie. Um, he's an incredible hairdresser. He actually just won uh, Best of the Main Line for hairdresser. I'm awesome. so happy for him. Um, yeah. Um, we, we really just made some great friends um, out of it. And uh, we all still talk. And um, everybody's trying to get together to have a meeting. But everybody's back to work. So it's like crazy. <laughs> exactly. But, but having, again, it's the theme of connection. That's always been my favorite part of what we do. Yeah. It's, it's never really been about the hair. I'm, I'm an okay hairdresser. Like, I don't consider myself a really awesome hairdresser. I am not a Naha winning, you know, wonderfully creative, outside the box kind of hairdresser, but I am an amazing connector. I love when a client sits in my chair and says, oh my gosh, all I want to do is get my bathroom done. And these contractors I'm like, oh my gosh, my guy Lucas is amazing. Here's his number. I'll call him right now and put you on the phone. Like connecting people to great restaurants and to a great um, tailor to get like a, a, a dress fitted for their daughter's wedding. Like they can't find a good tailor, like just connecting people to other people and forming relationships in the salon. You know, we had a, in our color room, we had people in a circle and yeah. to your point about the person who's your new BFF because of your meeting, you know, these women would interact during their processing and not be on their phone, not be in, with their head in a magazine, but connecting with one another and houses have been sold in my back 
color room in the salon where someone's like, oh, I'm looking in this one neighborhood and I love it so much. And this woman's like, oh my gosh, my house is going up for sale. I'm on that street. And then they buy a house in the salon. So that's what always made me excited. And that's why I love what I do now because I'm connected to colorists all over the world. Now it's not even just in our country. I have people from Australia and London and Ireland and it's so fun. That's the, the positives of social media. The negative is getting your self-worth by how many likes and followers you have. Like that's the part where us at our age, we're like, yeah, screw that. Like we don't need that. <laughs> we don't need to to have a certain amount of followers to feel like a whole person. So I'm, I'm sad for the generations that do take their self-worth from their social media. That's tragic. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, we were talking before about, um, I, I, I don't want to make a message that there is a place and will always be a place for salons because there is a plenty of people, there's plenty of clientele that will always want to go into a salon that like that salon. I don't think that suites are going to, to at the point are going to take over and take away salons. I think that the salons that won't survive will be the salons that don't have it together. I think the salons that will survive will be the ones that have, what's the best way to put this? Policies, procedures. Uh, structure. They have stru to have structure. Structure, yeah. uh, you know, um, just marketing, like, you know, uh, you know, everything, you know, the way you guys do it at your salon, you know, like, So salons like yours, you know, they're doing it the right way. And clients love the experience of coming into an intimate space. And why? Because they feel like they're getting that one-on-one -on -one attention. They're getting that intimate, because the bottom line is it's customer service. So any salon that's giving exceptional five-star customer service will survive against this kind of experience. Listen, there's going to be a lot of people who come into these suites who rent them and don't give that customer service and they're going to fail. Uh, and it happens all the time. As fast as they come in, they're going to go out and they're going to wonder why, well, they didn't fit. They failed. Also, it's going to be, there's a lot of people who think they're going to go to beauty school. They're going to come out and they're going to go into a suite. You've talked about this mm, before. I chuckle. Yeah, that, it's that so sad. Yeah. You know, they think they're going to go in there and I'm sorry, you know, for, for the $400 a week in rent, um, that you're going to have to pay, uh, you know, you better, you better have, you better have a book. <laughs> you better have a book. This is cut out for an established person who has a business mind. You, you have to have a business mind. You know, it's that old prerequisite should have been for beauty school was to have um, marketing a business. And uh, what was the other course that all should have been in with it? Marketing business and uh, at least it's marketing like pe and business. people skills, like emotional intelligence. My God, yeah. you need that more than you need your scissors <laughs> to, <laughs> to deal with uh, the public with their hair. Yeah. 
um, should all be, you know, tied into our, into our state board or into, into our, into our beauty school curriculum because, wow, like there's so much. And, um, I keep saying, I wish that we would adapt the European standard where it's a three-year apprenticeship is built into your training period. You know, you're working in a working actual salon, not a beauty school clinic floor. It's not reality of what you're going to see. That would be so wonderful for two reasons. Number one, we would weed out all of the people who are just not serious and are taking up space, just doing it for what the hell. And we would really be turning out some quality, wonderful people who are serious and we would turn it, we would turn our industry on its side, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Because there, there's a, a friend of mine in Colorado has a hybrid set up in her beauty school where you only go to school, I believe it's two days a week is the actual school part. And then the other three days you work as an apprentice in a salon, but you are paid hourly for that time and you earn your hours for school in that time. So we, you and I, when we were in beauty school, we went to school from, it was like nine to four. And I was, I think it was like nine to five. It was a long day. It was at least nine to four. We had to go to school on Saturday. We were only off on Sunday and Monday. Most salons are closed or were closed then on Sundays and Mondays. So the only work that I could get in was you know, six to seven thirty or six mm. to eight at a salon, and I was exhausted. I had to drive right there from school, so I only had these little tiny snippets of being in a real world salon atmosphere after school. So it takes so much longer after you're done school to be able to be in that position. So- I'm laughing because you said you had to drive. <laughs> I had to take the bus. I had to walk from my house to where the bus was, which was like three miles. I had to walk three miles to the balls <laughs> with holes in my holes, shoes. Holes in your shoes. I knew that was coming. <laughs> no socks. Holes in my shoes. I had to snow. take the bus to beauty school. <laughs> That's awful. I have condolences on that. I hate public transportation. <laughs> Sometimes I at least if it was a nice day, I would just walk to beauty school because it was like, what's the difference? Oh, Where'd you go? Where did you go to school? Leonard's Hollywood Beauty School. <laughs> I went to the five-star Academy of Beauty Culture. Okay, That's so gone. it's the same. They're both thing. gone, right? <laughs> yeah, so it had all that 50s, 50s stations in it, like 50s furniture in it and the whole bit. And the cigarette, wait, you could smoke in there, not the students, but the, the patrons could smoke and the ashtray was up front and we, we would we would take our cotton ball and go dip it in the ashes to take the To get the, the, the stains hair stains off. off. Oh <laughs> Good times. I tell people that, I tell young people that and they're, they just, they just can't, can't wrap their brains around it. They, they can't. Like, they, well, they, even now, like on Facebook forums, I'm highly entertained all the time. Some of the advice that people are giving and receiving on how to fix certain things, you know, dab a, a Q-tip in Clorox bleach and put it around your client's hairline to get the oh, stains. No. I'm like, don't come at my face with no damn Clorox bleach. Like, I'd rather keep the stain. Uh, no, 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 no. So, I have still- a whole, I have the most wonderful method to remove it, to remove stains that one of my assistants taught me that works so well. It, it I, I love it. It works really great. 
I'll share it with you. It's just my little thing that I do. Okay. So I rinse. Okay. So this is really works for like, you know, when you go, I guess the staining levels could be like six and below right mm -hmm. on the skin. So I rinse, you rinse all the color out, but I don't rinse right at that hairline. I leave that on. Okay. Then color removes color. So I take a little bit of water on my fingers and I massage that color color removes color around that area then i take cotton and i soak it with stain remover like saturate it with stain remover and i take long swabs of it enough to go around that whole hairline and i lay it right on top of that mess that i made and i and i pat it down into that mess and let it sit let it and here's his word let it marinate <laughs> <laughs> and i let it marinate and while that's marinating, it's going to take a couple minutes. You just have to let it marinate, okay? That's where patience comes in because some people don't have the time. So literally, it takes like a, a whole minute. And a whole minute to us is like, you know, 20 An minutes. An hour, right. <laughs> so after it marinates, you then slide it up from, from the ears to the temple or however you want to do it. If you use two pieces, you can break it apart, whatever. And you'd be amazed how much stain comes off when you do that. You'd be amazed. It just a lot of stain comes off. And, um, you know, it's like this whole little thing. Do you, you have no idea how many I have shown over the years, how many assistants I've shown. That's how I want them to take my stains off. And they'll do it for like a couple of days. And then. Right. And then all of a sudden my clients come back to me with stains again. And I'm like. Oh, my gosh. It happens to me all the time in the salon. I'll show them something. And they'll do it when I'm standing right there. And then I'll happen to pop in like when I'm off or whatever. And I see them taking, and I'm like, what happened to, and they kind of look at me like, oh crap, I'm caught. And I'm like, I'm not showing you this because I have an ego and I want you to do everything the way that I do. I'm showing you because I've done this successfully for 34 years, you little exactly. shit. You just, you just got your license. You just got out of your hair school diaper. And now you're going <laughs> to question what I'm trying to teach you. Exactly. Why do you want to do it so hard? Why do you want to be right when you're not right? Like, why not just listen? And, and it's the same thing with us. I'm sure we didn't listen to our parents or our teachers no. you know no. you always think old people no. don't know what they're but talking like about. like for instance like my father's you know been gone for many many years he died young and there's so many things that go on in life now and i just hear him things Aww. that he said to me when i was younger and i go oh my god he was the smartest man that ever walked the planet you know what i mean like you just think about that stuff but you're right we don't listen um quite honestly this is another point so that's just another thing of when somebody says i don't did we talk about this before or did we talk about this now? I forgot. You have to remind me when I talked about the shampooing. Do I mind shampooing? And... Uh, no, we didn't talk about it. We talked okay. about it before we started recording. So, so. so people say, you know, do, well, do you mind shampooing? And, um, you know, shampooing before, when I had a shampoo before, it was always for the wrong reasons. It was because the shampoo girl or the assistant didn't show up or they were working for somebody else and I was rushed and I had to get the client, you know, take the color down or, you know, there's a various of all these negative reasons why you have to go back and do this. And, you know, it, it, would, it would, would just be a stressful reason. I do it now because it's part of the service and I don't mind and my clients really enjoy my shampoo and it, it, it's thorough and, and really in the course of a day, it's not like I'm doing it all day as my, 
reason for being there. It's part of the service that I'm giving my client. I dim, I have two overhead LED lights and then I, and they're very strong. And um, then I have a light fixture that you're, we're allowed to install like chandeliers. I have this really cool chandelier in there and uh, it's like bulbs. Um, so I, I dim the overhead lights, like turn them off. So it's just like soft lighting. And while they're processing, I do that. And then I put them in the shampoo sink when it's time to shampoo. And I elevate their feet on a stool. And then I shampoo them. And it's like this whole experience that like they're not getting in a salon. And it gets to be thorough. I get the stains off. Like all these things get done. And I'm like, when I'm done the shampoo and I look and I go, yeah, this is kind of satisfying for me too. You know, my back hurts a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's how many? It's like three or four people I'm doing. Like I can live with this. In the beginning, you know, when I first thought about this, I was like, oh, I could never do a salon suite. Oh, my God. I, I'm too old to be standing there and shampooing. Da, 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 da. But, you know, it's gratifying at the end of the day because I think, like, this was done right. There's, there, the, the, pro, the products I asked for were used. The amounts I would put on used. I'm not wasting the shampoo and going squish, 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 squish mm -hmm. with the shampoo you're, leader. You're not going to waste your own stuff. <laughs> You're not going to steal your color or waste your color because my, you're paying yeah, for it. Exactly. My color's not getting wasted. You know, like, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, you know, in, in that respect. Yeah. I mean, you could down the road, if it, if it ever did become too much, just because the bending and the twisting and the, you know, us being of age, um, what a gift to have a part-time assistant be able to watch you and learn from you and hopefully listen to you um, with your pearls of wisdom um, because that's something that is being missed as well with these people coming out of school that want to skip being an assistant and go right into a suite. They're missing learning from the experience of someone who's been there, done that, and made the mistakes for them so that they don't have to. Like when I think about my biggest lessons in hair color, it was because my coworker that I looked up to and always asked a million questions wasn't there that day. And I was like, oh crap, I'm on my own. I have to figure this out. I would do something stupid that I just didn't know. You know, when you know better, you do better. And I didn't know. I think one of, one of the ones that stands out in my mind was this woman had like the brightest of bright red hair and she was like, I want to go a little bit lighter this time. And I was like, okay. So I just took her formula and went a level lighter, thinking it was going to magically lighten her whole head. And we all know how that ended. It was hot roots, you know, didn't do anything to the mids and ends, but I'll never do it again. Right. It's like once right. you do that, right. but imagine by yourself in a suite, what's happening with some of the people that don't have a lot of experience and are getting sweets is they only have like five tubes of color in their cabinet at any given time. You're not going to do that because you've owned a salon and you know what you need to have in there to be able to conduct business. But I can't tell you how many times I see on the forum, someone will say, my client's here now. This is the situation. What do and I this do? this is what I have. Yeah. And the answer was like, you know, mix nine Redkin 9T and a splash of 9V and she'll say, well, I only have NA and B. And I'm like, well, you need to get your ass to the store then because <laughs> it doesn't work that way, honey. Like you have to have color in stock. You can't play, you know, mix these ingredients and pray. But hair color doesn't work that way. No wonder yeah, you're not getting a good result. Like, and that's, 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 okay. This is, you know, 
and you just said it and you nailed it. Like the truth is, Elaine, this was not a cheap investment. Right. Like by any means to fully stock everything to my standard, to my, with my experience, to make sure I was comfortable, to make sure I had in my N series alone, to make sure I had six of every N series and six of every uh, Ash series, you know, to, to, to do it the way it should be done. Okay. So that for my first two weeks, I didn't have to think about reordering color. It would just, cause I didn't want to have to deal with placing orders. I just placed an order uh, two days ago and I literally only had to order four tubes of color. The rest was retail cause I blew out of my retail. Thank God. Yeah. So the, the point is, is that I just, you know, next week I'll do the color. I just want to break it up. You know, well, what's nice you know. about being alone is you can be on a schedule where you only do your order once a month because yeah. you know your turns of inventory and you know that the yeah. theme, you know how many people are, you know, they say industry wide six and seven N are the most sold colors because yeah. think about it. It's like not quite blonde, not quite brown. It's like a safe in between number that you can mix with other things if you have to. But when, when you think about hair color and how overwhelming it is to most people, it really only, you can really only do four things. You can make hair lighter, you can make hair darker, you can cover gray, and you can change the tone. That's it. There's only four things. It's not really that complicated. Where it gets complicated is when people are in a panic and they start mixing things up and tossing it on the head they end up creating their own corrective situation because they didn't think it out and, and realize how simple the project really was. And the other thing, and the other thing too, is like, we know the corrective tools to keep on hand and like all those things like that too. Just like what, you know, it's almost like, it's, it's like, you know, there should be a guideline. If like, if if you're setting up your suite, like, you know, whatever car line use, it does not matter. Like, but you know, make sure you have enough of this to get started and then make sure you have, there should be a checklist, you know, and make sure you have your corrective tools. If you, for a situation that you could run into like this, because you don't want to be the person going to the forum to this. And if you can afford to have all that to get started in your first month, then you can afford to open a suite and be successful and do what you have to do otherwise don't get started because you really you never know who's going to walk through the door and what you're going to need to do right you can't say uh hold that thought i need to run to cosmoprof or salon centric you sit tight i'm going to go get your color (laughs) yeah don't and and then text the rest of your people and say oh i i'll do i'm running behind oops yep you just gave now here here's where the entrepreneurial spirit comes you just said they should have a checklist and my little bubble over my head is like genius. This is how I can reach the sweet runner for my education. I can offer a free sweet runners checklist of what color tools they need to have in their suite. There you go. You're, you're wonderful. My friend, I love that. That's a great idea. There you go. Cause people love lists. They love checklists they do. and top 10 this and top five. Yeah. That. Right. Yeah. Because it's hard for me to reach the individual cornstarch, baking soda, like whatever, you know, like this, right? those, those things you talk about, like those, yeah. you know, the tools that you got to have. Tool. I just did that on my coffee chat yesterday. I said, what is the tool that you can't live without? And it was interesting. Two people said their watch. 
And that shows our age because these young kids are like, what do you need to watch for? You have a phone. Like, they're just like, what the hell's a watch? <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Um, but we use the watch for our clips. You know, when we're clipping, doing a highlight, I always put my clips on my watch and I use it to see like how far behind am I? When's my next client? I'm not even thinking that my phone has. A That's why I have, I don't wear a watch because it gets on my nerves, but like I always have to have a clock on the wall or on my station. So I ordered, my client wanted to buy me a clock. Um, so I, and I, all my artwork in the, um, suite is all, uh, antique pinups. And, um, so I went on this website where I found they'll make antique pinup clocks for you, like whatever uh, they cool. have. So there was, I couldn't decide between these two and they were so inexpensive. So I actually got two made. So I figured for six months, I'll hang one. And then the other six months of the year, I'll hang the other. So, but I always have to have a clock for that same reason because I can't really wear a watch. But the other thing is when you say about the clips, I don't have anywhere to clip except the hair on my arms. Like I really oh don't, have, you know, if I wear a short sleeve shirt and I put it up, up, if I put it like up here, like half the time I forget it's there and I walk around right. like I forget. So a lot of times I just go like this. I just, I'll just clip on the front of my shirt. Oh my God. Nipple clips. I <laughs> yeah, love it's hysterical. It. Everybody up, laughs. Are you a um, apron guy or do you not wear an apron when you come? Because um, I usually put the I'm clip on my apron. I'm supposed to. And then I get yelled at every day I come home with my polo shirts with collar on them and oh, I get yelled at. Them. But yeah, yeah I, they make me hot. They're like wearing trash bags. I agree. I, I finally found one that's not too, too bad. It's a lighter weight material and it doesn't. Because the ones that aren't that are breathable and aren't hot end up staining with the bleach and the color. You can't get it right. out. So you have that like... Do you want to be clean or do you want to be cool? Um, so that's that's hard. I keep wanting to find the ultimate color apron to have in my toolbox for, you know, as an educator to be able to offer to my students and, and members, but I haven't, haven't found it yet because for me, talk about the nipple clips, my boobs are so big that every apron, they come out the side. So I still get color on the boobs on the side of the apron. No matter, oh, how, no matter how covered up I am, I get the boob drop of my lunch is on my boob, my <sighs> hair color is on my boob. They're a nuisance. They're a hazard speaking, to my career. <laughs> speaking of lunch, this is pretty interesting. So when you're in a suite, right? So um, everybody has curtains. So you you draw the curtains whenever you want. Like if you want privacy, you just draw the curtains. Well, I went through, and this is no lie, neurotic as I am, I went through four sets of curtains until I found the right curtains that I really loved. Because every time I hung curtains in there, I didn't like the pattern or they were too heavy or they were too sheer or it was like Goldilocks with the curtains. It was ridiculous. So I finally found curtains I like. But the cool part about the curtains is, is that I literally, I can go in the lunchroom, but right now, you know, with social distancing and stuff, I just feel better. If yeah. I just go, I draw the curtains, I dim the lights, and I open up my little cooler, and I have my lunch in my suite. And it's like it's like total privacy. I just eat my lunch, I drink my drink, I look online, and, you know, like, that's kind of cool. It's like you have your own little lunchroom, too, you know? it's Well, think about how many years you've gone without having, like, lunch. But What's I never that? ate lunch so never. slow in my life. And here's the other thing. I pack lunch every day. I've That's never smart. done that. That's smart. Yeah, me either. And I wasted so much money. My uh, husband and I now say, my God, if we could get back the money that we both spent on lunches every day with not packing and dinners out with not feeling like cooking because you're so exhausted, you know, a 10 hour day with 20 some clients, mm -hmm. you think you want to whip up a, a special dinner when you get home, you're, you're ready to collapse and you just want to eat whatever's not nailed down. 
so Hence, let's you know the the weight yeah. staying in shape and all that is so hard it's like what we do to ourselves as hairdressers it's all self-inflicted we could mark off an hour for lunch at any time that was yeah. an option but why didn't we well, why does this industry why? not eat lunch because because a lot of us Okay, so I worked in places where if we marked off, um, our bosses would go in and take that off and put people in. Squeeze somebody in, yeah. Okay. Um, we felt guilty that we had to squeeze people in. I'm in a place now where I, if I mark off, I mark off. It's for a reason. Um, yeah. And I don't worry about that. I have, so how I'm surviving this and how I'm booking myself is I have added time to every, instead of blocking off that 15 minutes between each person for sanitizing and all that. What I do is, of course I do the sanitizing, but I, um, I actually extended every service that I do so that when they're, so when they come back, to, if they come back to back, like if a person's in for a, high, a highlight and then they're back in right under that, they come for a haircut. I'll just, I, that gives an, an extra half hour where I only will need the 15 minutes. Then I'll go in and I'll edit it and I'll shorten the service. But automatically when they, so this allows it, when they book online, it just puts it all together for me. So I'm constantly getting that extra time in between and it's working out to be a beautiful thing actually. It um, just feels so much better at the end of the day. You don't feel like you got run over by a truck. I hung out last night and cleaned from top to bottom. I took everything off every surface. I sanitized every surface in there. I wiped down every shelf. I was like, Anthony's like, why aren't you leaving to come home? I said, because I just feel like cleaning right now. It's five o'clock. Why should I ride, ride home in rush hour on the turnpike? Let me just yeah. stay, stick around and clean. Very true. I would, I, I, you know, it doesn't bother me, like that stuff. It's, you know, wonderful that you're finally in a place where you're able to enjoy every single thing that you do. And I hope that newer stylists listening to this interview with you and I chatting about this, that we look back at how we treated our bodies and how we disrespected ourselves for so many years, thinking that that's what we should do to be successful. And now we're like, wait a minute, we could have had lunch that whole time. We could have... <laughs> simplified it like i guarantee you're you're probably close to making the same amount of money that you did doing those 40 heads a day in the long run it all works out the same it's how you choose to set up your career and to live your life as a professional stylist and you know no longer can you say my boss this or i have to or i can't i hate when i hear i can't i'm like i can't just means i won't like there is no i can't it's all choices you know, you can bring your lunch every day. You can have a healthy lunch. I had the, the option of bringing healthy food and eating it between clients. I chose to be lazy and stressed and order takeout. And then would, by the time you eat it, it's cold because you can never time the window when you're actually going to be able to eat it. So those were all poor choices and just me not loving myself enough. I loved you, the client, more than I loved myself. And, right. you know, in the long run, do those clients even remember my, some of those clients don't even know my last name that I've been mm -hmm. over backwards for, for years. Mm -hmm. They don't even know who I am, where mm -hmm. I am, that I even moved to another state. Like I'm not even on their radar. And when mm -hmm. I think about what I sacrificed for them, for their life to be better, shame on me. That was my choice. You know, nobody made me do that. So mm -mm. definitely a whole new world. No, it definitely is. And, and truthfully, um, it was fear. 
it's always fear. It's always. everything is fear. It's fear based that, um, you know, any decision, you know, when we finally get on the other side of our own fears, it's, it's amazing that, um, it was fear that I didn't want, you know, look, I was working five days. I was working four days a week. I had off Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. By the time, by the time Tuesday rolled around, I would be basically laying around the house doing nothing. I was not productive. COVID came, the shutdown came. I had to go back to work. Here I am back to work and I'm working. I'm off Sundays. I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm off Thursday. I work Friday and Saturday. This is a great schedule. I'm always moving. I'm keeping my body moving. On my days off, I'm functional. I'm not laying around doing nothing. I'm actually feel better. It's not like I'm laying around on the days off like, you know, I, I just, I have things to have to go to the bank. I have to do this for the business. Like this is kind of a better balanced life. And in those five days, I'm writing the same total that I was writing in the four days without the stress, right. without that stress of, of the salon and the environment and all the people and all that. So, yeah. And the emotional with- toll is, is sometimes greater than the physical toll with, with salon drama. So that is the beauty of your situation now is you only have you to worry about and your guest that's in front of you at any given time and not, you know, who's saying what about who and who stole whose client and who's, you know, breaking up with their boyfriend and boohooing in the break room. And, you know, the drama is, is emotionally exhausting for sure. Right. And it is. Well, I am so excited for you. I'm happy about where you are in your career. And I'm glad we finally got to chat and I got to share you with our listeners. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep being fabulous. And uh, thank you for this time today. Have a wonderful day. And thank Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.